Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. It's Doug Cunnington here, and today is a listener question and answer session. So I opened up the mailbag, voicemail bag, my email bag, and we're going we're gonna to go through a few questions today. So one of them is a voicemail, and it is around like hiring people and how much you should pay for content and hiring non-native English speakers, even though they may have like an English degree and so on. So I'll get my thoughts on that. Um, a little bit about the Google sandbox as well, backlinks and that sort of thing. We're also going to look at the like mix of content. So Denise sent in an email about like publishing informational posts, review articles and that sort of thing. And then she also asks about putting ads or other sort of content or monetization on informational posts. You may hear Georgie ruffling her collar and jingling her uh, her tags there. So thanks, Georgie, for that. Making an appearance very earlier in, in, the, in the podcast here. And then the other question is around the Amazon Associate Disclosure Statement. And probably a lot of people have seen chatter on this already. By the time this episode goes live, I probably will have updated a few things on Niche Site Project around this. But um, Amazon, somewhere in the mid-October timeframe, sent out an email to ensure that the disclosure was uh, very clearly stated. And they sort of emphasize a few FTC guidelines as Federal Trade Commission, easy for me to say, um, the Federal Trade Commission and that sort of thing. So they just want to make sure in, in essence, like you are disclosing things properly. So I'll talk about that a little bit too. Now, before we get into the Q&A, um, it's awesome to get the voicemails, but a little tip, and I talked about this um, a couple weeks ago, um, maybe very recently. Basically, if you leave the voicemail, it's fantastic. At this point, 100% of anyone who leaves a voicemail, you're making it on the show. So that's a, it's a pretty cool way to sort of hack the system and get me to listen to you. Now, quick tip, we need them to be about you know 90 seconds long or less. One minute is kind of the sweet spot. You know, 90 seconds is pretty good too. Um, the voicemail uh, service that I'm using is Google Voice. You know, pretty straightforward. Um, so Google Voice is is cool, but they have a three minute time limit for the voicemails. Also, you should be able to an- uh, like ask your question in three minutes. So if there are other pieces of information that you think maybe are very important to set the context so that I can answer it in an effective way, you can send an email, a couple bullet points, let me know what's going on. But you should be able to, um, you know, make your statement, ask the question, and then, you know, hop off. The other part is I I can appreciate um, the folks that are listening to this. Um, I expect you want to hear me talk, but you maybe um, don't need to go off on too many side tangents. So I, I respect that and I'm trying to keep it tight. I'm learning as I go. You know, I know there's, there are other ways to, um, you know, get voicemails or get interaction with the audience and I'm, I'm testing things. I'm a big believer of testing and being, uh, frankly, a little sloppy and just, you know, sort it out later. So usually I'm like executing and then I'm like, oh, that was, that was a little bit of a mistake there. I should have done that differently. The whole point here is write out what you're going to say. And but by the way, this is good advice. Like, for example, if you're doing a job interview, 
Um, I used to be really terrible at job interviews. I think I'm, I'm better now, but it was a matter of like going through like possible questions and making sure I could answer in a concise way. I mean, think about a job interview. If someone asks you a fairly straightforward question, like you need to have an answer that you can give in like 45 seconds or a minute or so. Yes, there are questions where they're asking you to talk for a much longer time, maybe describing an old project that you worked on that was fairly complex. It may take longer, but you need to be able to tell a story in like short bursts. So if they ask a question, you need to be able to answer it quick. So anyway, I'll get off my, um, it sounds like I'm ranting or complaining. I love the voicemails. Please send them in. The voicemail number is in the show notes. So you could just check that out. If you're on your phone, you can just like click on it, call in after you, you write it down and edit it down. Make sure it's about one minute. You can time yourself, right? You can make sure that you're in that one minute plus or minus 30 seconds. So let's uh, let's hear the voicemail now. And I did actually exchange some emails with this person as well. And, um, you know, they're out of Pakistan. They were like, hey, it's really cool that you're able to like impact my life. Um, even though we're across the world, we speak different languages and all that stuff. So really, really appreciate that. Let's, uh, let's hear this voicemail now. Uh, hi, this is uh, a from Pakistan. Uh, I use your techniques, uh, uh, different techniques, techniques, and it really works. Uh, I have been building sites, uh, in other niches, but this is my first, uh, Amazon affiliate site. Like I built this about nine months ago, uh, and it is making about 100 bucks a month. Uh, not much, but I am uh, putting a lot of uh, work and effort uh, to make it work. Uh, it is about 106 articles, and uh, I built about 25 guest postings. So I know this is a seasonal niche, so I am expecting a huge bump in the uh, next summer, hopefully. Uh, so my question is that I am using local content writers, like from Pakistan. Uh, they are not native writers, but... Uh, uh, I hire them and I train them, uh, and I pay about fifteen to twenty dollars for three thousand more articles. So I think that's cheap. Like, don't get me wrong, they're not table writers. Like, uh, uh, they have master uh, degree in English, and uh, they personally like put a lot of work uh, in single article. Like, they work about ten uh, hours uh, on a single article, and I. Uh, personally give them feedback uh, along the way uh, and make sure that the content is up to the mark. So what do you think, like, uh, if you compare this with uh, other people in other countries, like, they are, they are paying, like, two to three cents uh, for not the same, but, like, two to three cents uh, for an article. So what do you think, like, this is my plus point or uh, I should hire uh, native English speakers uh, so what what do you think uh, about this? Like I I can launch a uh, hundred article site uh, about three thousand dollars, and like someone in the U.S. or Canada or other countries might have to pay uh, like ten thousand dollars or even more. Okay, interesting question here. Here's the here's the breakdown, the summary. So the site's making about a hundred dollars a month. There's about a hundred posts out there, and it seems to be seasonal, making about a you know, like I said, a hundred bucks a month. So it, it's, I think the, actually the, the revenue is a little bit like low for the age of the site and the amount of content and all that. However, the kicker is, um, I think 
Oish, I'm not sure how to pronounce your name exactly, but you are potentially publishing content that is like written poorly. I have no idea. I mean, writers are can be good even if they're writing in a second language. And I've, I've seen that, but usually it's hit and miss. So your question is, should you keep paying a low rate or should you like hire English speakers, native English speakers to write the content for you? Well, I can't answer um, that based on your, your budget specifically, um, but I would say if you want to keep doing that, you probably need to get a very good native English speaking editor to edit the content. The, I've seen this probably a hundred a hundred times where someone thinks their content is really good, but it's really very, very bad. They think it's good. Um, they don't speak English natively and they don't they can't recognize the like small little details that make it either hard to read poor grammar or untrustworthy. Cause basically, I mean, I've seen these as I'm looking at sites and uh, again, some people are like the content's excellent. I know it's excellent, blah, blah, blah. And when I look at that content, it's terrible. So if you get an editor, they should be able to let you know whether or not it's good or not. And I would suggest that you, you know, you pay a decent rate. So you're saying you're paying like two or uh, I can't even remember. You're paying like 10 bucks for 3000 words or maybe something even less than that. Um, that is a very low wage for, for usually what I'm working with, but you're, you know, dealing with things in a different way. So if, if the math works out, if you're happy with the results that you're getting, you know, keep doing that. But I think you're paying uh, too low of a price for the content. And I think you're probably doing, um, not as good. I, I, I don't know. Cause I, I'm not looking at the site or anything. I don't know the site, but basically if you're paying that cheap and like you think the content's really good, but maybe it's not, um, you should probably have an expert, a native English speaker, check it out. It's probably not as good as you think based on the, you know, hundred examples that I've seen in the past. So that is number one. The secondary question, which, um, I'm just going to summarize here again. We ended up with a very long voicemail and it's kind of an interesting thought experiment, although potentially not a very valuable um, like question or answer, at least in my opinion, but I'm just one person here. But you asked me and just so you want to know my opinion. Um, the question is generally around like, can you catch up with a very big existing site that maybe has you know, say 500 or a thousand pieces of content and like tens of thousands of backlinks, for example, I'm exaggerating the question a little bit here to make the point. And the question is, can a, a new site catch up with an old site, especially when the new site is actively doing a lot of work and the old site is inactive and they're not improving things. So the short answer is yes, anything's possible. Um, you know, you lay out a specific scenario in the voicemail that I cut out here. You uh, lay out a specific scenario where you're like, hey, if I publish, you know, 2000 articles um, in the first year and then start building backlinks and I overtake the number of backlinks that the original like big site that has been around for 10 years um, can I catch up to it? The answer is yes, 
It's possible. I mean, you can find examples of this all over the place. If you look through the SERPs or you find a new uh, like website that has popped up out of nowhere, maybe it's only a couple years old, but obviously it's someone who knows what they're doing. So the answer is yes, that is totally possible. Um, the downside is if, if you're asking the question, you probably do not yet possess the skills to do that yet. However, that doesn't mean it can't be done. And it will take um, a lot of money. You probably got to hire some badass writers, you know, no, no bullshit. Um, as far as like hiring cheap writers, like you have been doing, that's not going to work. Guarantee it. You can't do that. Like it's not going to work. And if, if anyone has examples, uh, otherwise please send them in. But I'm pretty sure if you're hiring writers for like, you know, one third of the cost, it's probably not going to be able to compete with people that are like really into the content. They're very good writers. They're, they're native English speakers or whatever language, right, is relevant for you. So anyway, yes, interesting thought experiment. New sites can overtake older sites. The Google sandbox can be um, sort of skipped. In fact, I was I've been coaching um, an individual for a few years um, and he contacted me uh, like off and on. Right. Uh, But he contacted me like over the summer, we're sort of catching up and uh, thank goodness. Right. He's been able to uh, pretty close to like double his revenue over three months or so. And the first couple months, it was a little slow, but it sort of popped here in the last month or so, which is pretty epic. Um, obviously makes me feel good that he's going out number one executing and then he's getting results like pretty pretty clearly so um but you know i can't even remember the point i was going to make but uh i've been coaching this guy oh i know the sandbox so i've been coaching this guy and um he's been you know crushing it on his existing site doing some pretty key things like some very special sort of uh, like on-site and technical SEO things that we've been working on. But the cool thing, like most of us, he's like, oh, you know, I found this pretty cool niche. I'm a little interested. He's published something like 80 KGR type articles out there. And um, I'm pretty sure he skipped the sandbox. The site is only a few months old. Um, It is less than six months old. He's now getting like a thousand unique visitors a day. So pretty epic. And it's like you can start a new site and get traffic if you're doing the right things. It's not this guy's first rodeo. He's done, you know, probably a dozen other sites and he's making essentially a full-time living. Um, Although he still has his day job, but he's making a full-time living from his niche site thanks to, you know, the extra coaching from me and all his hard work. I mean, this dude has done a ton of work and he digs into the details and we go really deep in our coaching sessions. So by the way, I I hardly ever plug my my coaching stuff that I do. I don't work with a ton of people because um, it takes a lot of time. But if you are interested in like one-on-one coaching with me, it is... I would say extremely valuable and judging from, you know, the, the people that I have worked with, it's pretty epic. In fact, I haven't, uh, one of the questions, um, was sent in by someone I've coached. So I will go over that as well. But if you go to niche slash hire dash me, then you, you can get some of the information there. But the, the cool part, cause right, like I'm fairly available, um, on YouTube live streams, 
you can send in a voicemail like we've talked about. And, you know, you can kind of get my opinion, my high level opinion on certain things. But what you can't get is me to audit your site in a public forum, right? That, that it just doesn't work out. I can't go in depth. It's um, not very safe for you to just expose your site as far as um, like avoiding copycats or negative SEO or that sort of thing. So anyway, if you want some one-on-one coaching, if you want to ask me questions, I also do a little bit of work as far as like um, like auditing or reviewing sites that people may want to purchase, right? So if you are looking at a site and you need some due diligence done, there are services that do a very stringent look. Um, and actually, I don't know the names of them, but you can you can find them out there if you want me to look at it too, right? If you're buying something that's like 50 or Two hundred and fifty thousand or five hundred thousand dollars, you may want to have a couple sets of eyes look at it to make sure you're not missing anything. It's kind of like when you're buying a house, you have like a title lawyer like look at things and um, they go and make sure there's no liens on the house and they they analyze things to make sure there's not going to be like future issues. It's like that. Um, so anyway, check out the hire hire me page over at Niche Site Project and you can get a little more info on that. So thanks again for sending in that voicemail. And let's move on to the next question. So Denise asked this. Um, I enjoy the podcast. Thank you. I got valuable, actionable items to improve my site and hopefully my income. I hope so too. And the question is this. What about maintaining a 50-50 mix between informational post and review affiliate product type post. If I write an info post and there's a group of connected articles, I'm going to have a lot more review posts if I keep doing that. So basically, I do recommend you keep at least that 50-50 blend of informational to review and product post. Um, Further, I encourage people to maybe even publish a little more informational content on the early side of um, like their site. So I guess when your site's young, you could publish a little more informational content. Now, the interesting thing is it seems like from my observations that a lot of times an informational post uh, probably has a little less competition and um, it may rank a little bit better. So it's kind of a nice way to get people into the ecosystem and have Google like your site and all that stuff. However, a quick converse, I have heard of some people just publishing, um, just they, they make their site a review site and they have no informational content unless it's in a like best of or review product post so that Google knows without a doubt that this site is commercially based. It's not necessarily like an informational blend or anything like that. So I've heard of people doing that, but from my perspective, I like to have um, a healthy amount of informational content. And then uh, the secondary question is about including Amazon links or display ads on informational posts. So basically, it is up to you. But here's my recommendation. A lot of times I ask people to like default back to what the visitor would want, what can help the visitor the most. And basically, when you think about it that way, you quickly realize that you can put ads, you can put product reviews in informational posts. So let me lay out the scenario. Basically, if someone has a problem, they're Googling some phrase, right? They have a problem and they want to solve it. So if you can help them 
solve that problem faster or cheaper or easier by recommending a product, you should do it. And I can point you towards some of the content on Niche Site Project where, yes, you can build internal links by you know, t- taking a report from the search console, you can get reports from some of the SEO tools out there um, and you can figure it out. You could do it manually. Or if you use a tool like Link Whisper, then you may be able to do it a little bit faster, a little bit easier, and it costs a little money to use the tool. You have to buy it. But that is a valuable recommendation. In, in my in the post, in the content where I cover internal linking and, and link whisper, I show you how to do it the manual way. And it's pretty, you know, it's clear how to do it. However, it's also extremely clear that it takes more work. There's more moving pieces involved. So if the whole point is if you can make it easier, cheaper, or faster for the visitor to solve their problem, it is, uh, it's your duty, right? It's your duty to make that recommendation and let them know. So that is my, that is my opinion on that matter. So next, um, this one is from, actually, I'll, I'll leave the name uh, anonymous. I'll just call this person Adam. All right. So here is the email. So um, hi, Doug. As discussed on Skype over two months ago, I'm going to give you an update on my niche site. At the time we talked, I was hardly getting any organic traffic. Now it seems the long and annoying sandbox period is over and I started to see some results. Now almost every article I write lands on page one. The traffic is a little over a thousand visitors per month and it grows steadily. I've made a few sales as well. And I wanted to thank you for our Skype session where you reviewed my site and it was very useful to me. Your fan, follower, listener, viewer, and reader. So this guy is doing it all for me. Um, Much appreciated. I'm glad you got some good results. Um, Honestly, I'll I'll be honest with you, Adam. Like when I do the coaching sessions, I'm always thinking, is this really going to help the person out or is this something that they already know? And apparently I'm smarter than I think. Um, there's a lot of details and just random shit that I've internalized. And when I look at someone's site, most of the time, not always, but most of the time I can make, usually it's like, one to three or four recommendations that are game changers. And um, I've seen this even with like experienced SEOs who have like a, a certain skill set that is not directly transferable or, or sorry, they have a certain skill set, but they are missing maybe some of the affiliate marketing aspects and some of the conversion rate ideas that I have. Or maybe they're really good at affiliate marketing and email marketing and writing, but they have no clue about the you know technical SEO, some of the on-page stuff. So it's awesome, Adam. Uh, thanks for giving me the update there. And there is indeed a question here. So um, Adam mentioned that um, he had a guest post that he published on his site and he linked that over to like you know, the owner of whoever, her, whoever wrote it. And he mentioned that, um, and Georgie has a scratchy neck apparently. So, all right, girl, 
You're right. So um, basically, the person who published the guest post wants to publish more content on the site as a basically a guest writer, and they want to get like a no follow link within the text of the article back to their site. And is that going to be a negative thing or positive or what? What's the deal? So for me, like I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, like because I haven't done this specifically. So I, I don't have like uh, personal experience with it. However, what I can say is, number one, I think you could probably give them a do follow link. Um, you know, if you look at some bigger sites that maybe have a few writers as contributors, they often will have like a bio box. Um, they have a link going back to their site because, you know, they're, they're a writer. They write in multiple places and that is kind of a normal thing. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have someone write on a regular basis for your site. Um, I actually have a couple of my students who I've asked to write for niche site project. Number one, because I I know they're smart. I know um, actually they're professional writers or extremely good writers and they have um, things to share. So I knew that they could probably would do a better job writing than me. I'm a little sloppy as you can you can imagine um, a little sloppy with the writing and basically it is okay. Like I haven't seen anything uh, like any kind of problems with uh, SEO. So I don't think that's an issue. I would be a little um, cautious about like the content that they're publishing. Are they putting links to other sites, right? Are they writing for you for free. They're getting a link back to their site and then maybe they're putting links to other people's sites as well. There's some weird stuff that goes on with content writers sometimes. In fact, I get some pretty terrible pitches from actually constantly. It's just a fucking flood in my inbox of terrible, terrible pitches. I get them for, you know, the podcast. I get them for YouTube. I'm getting them for all my sites. I get terrible pitches from actual like uh, self-proclaimed marketers to write stuff for niche site project. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Your pitch is bad. It's like a dear webmaster of niche site project kind of stuff. I mean, it's really horrible and I'm not sure like if this is converting ever, like I don't, I don't know who is accepting these. So anyway, the point is I would be, I would be a little, cautious about what they are publishing. It could be totally legit, but I would highly recommend that you give them some pretty strict criteria if they are doing that and you like treat them like a writer that you're paying. Tell them, you know, hey, write this topic. Here's the the, uh, title. I want it to be this long. Here's the template to use. Like really be strict with them because you're doing them a big favor. Especially, I mean, you're starting to rank in Google and all that stuff and get some traffic. So, I mean, they potentially, they could potentially sell the links that they're putting in your post for hundreds of dollars a piece. Like that's the level, that's the level that um, like guest posting services are at. And if they just have, you know, a handful of people that they're, they're working with in the same way that they're working with you, they could be making, you know, thousands of dollars per month by hiring writers to write the content. They publish it. They're selling some services. By the way, that's a, that is a business idea. Like you, a person could make a lot of money um, 
selling like guest post links where you have relationships out there. I mean, that's, I mean, there's a huge industry around it. It's just SEO, but if you frame it in the right way, you can sell it for quite a lot. You do have to have a, either um, an audience to sell it to, or, you know, you got to work as um, a freelancer via Upwork or whatever. It's not fun work. I'll put, I, I've tried this before. I, I tried it um, back when I got laid off in 2015. And um, working with clients can be a little um, not fun. I'll, I'll say not fun. But, um, you know, certain people have the personality to do it. Um, I do not. I don't have that personality. And uh, working in a consulting capacity, like uh, coaching or whatever, that's, that's much better. Like I'm sharing my expertise, not expertise and my knowledge. And, um, but working with a client, I mean, they're, they're just going to treat you like a commodity. So it's a double-edged sword there. All right, last question here. So this is from Will. Um, Will says, um, hey, I got this um, email from Amazon about the associate program disclosure statement and um, people can probably Google this and find it out there, but essentially Google or sorry, um, Amazon is providing a little bit more specificity for the operating agreement and disclosing your relationship as an affiliate. So I believe the, I'm not going to read the whole thing out here, but they do give you a, a little bit of uh, more of a guide. So one thing that you should say is, as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. Now, the big thing, the big issue is you need to be putting your disclaimer where the visitors will definitely see it. So that means if you put it in the sidebar, that's not good enough. If you put it in the footer, that is also not good enough. Now, when I got started, it was basically good enough if you had a page on your site that had the disclaimer on there and if it had a, a link to it in the footer or somewhere on the site, you know, we called it good enough. Like as long as you had a little bit of a disclosure on there, you were okay. And I'm pretty sure I probably had some of my first sites. I didn't even have the proper disclosure, um, to be honest with you. I, I don't remember those sites are gone at this point, but I'm pretty sure I didn't do it quite right. But things were, you know, sort of fast and loose back in the day. They've been tightening up uh, recently. And I know there's probably people out there thinking, Doug, what do you mean it's not good enough if it's in the footer, it's on every page. If it's on the sidebar, they're going to see it, right? Like it's on every page. That should work, right? The answer is no. Here's why. You need to have the disclaimer before you get to the affiliate link. The problem with the sidebar is on a mobile device, the sidebar is often pushed down to the very bottom of the page. So with that said, you have your disclaimer in the very bottom. Footer's the same issue. So you can go through all the content. The visitor would go through all the content. They'd see multiple affiliate links in which you have no mention of any sort of association or affiliation with Amazon or any other affiliate program, right? So this would generally apply. I mean, you from an FTC perspective, you should have your disclaimer before they get to any links. And the FTC is pretty clear. Um, there's actually a link in the email that you can go read like the FTC guidelines and stuff. But generally, these disclaimers and disclosures should be in like plain English. So if someone doesn't know what an affiliate 
relationship is, you're spelling it out very clearly. You will earn if you make a qualifying purchase. So Amazon gives us that little bit of text. And I think probably if you have that, uh, I'm not a lawyer, consultant, and lawyer, um, but if you have the text, like as an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases at the top of every post before you get to any affiliate links, you're probably, you know, giving the right disclosure. Um, if you're doing any sort of social media stuff, um, I can't speak directly to that, but generally if you do like a hashtag um, ad or hashtag commission earned, those are the examples that are in the email, but it just needs to be clear and concise and um, conspicuous, right? They mentioned it needs to be around the affiliate link. Um, and again, in a lot of ways, the operating agreement is kind of vague. Like we kind of get the spirit of what needs to be done, which is make sure people know that there's an affiliate relationship here. So some people have asked for every single link, do I have to put like, this is an Amazon affiliate link? And I, I don't know. All right. So my answer is, I don't know. I, I think, again, I'm not a lawyer, consult your own. Um, I think that if you have the disclosure at the top, you're probably, you know, honoring the spirit of what is trying to be done here. And that is to let the visitor know that you are, you know, earning a commission if, if a sale is made. Now I'm going to read a couple of the iTunes reviews that are out there. So um, a few people have left reviews, which I really appreciate. And by the way, I'm going to start reading out uh, one or two every now and then. So please leave a review over on Apple iTunes um, or Apple Podcast or whatever, whatever it is now. They, they've changed it again. But one cool thing is um, I've noticed recently, I wasn't paying much attention, but I noticed recently that this podcast here, this modest podcast that I'm recording, which I don't even think I get a ton of downloads, but I appreciate each and every one of you that you know, download and listen to the show on Apple, on the Apple podcast directory. We're typically in the top 200 marketing podcast. Now in the top 200, I mean, that doesn't sound like very impressive. However, when you realize how many podcasts there are in the world and how many marketing podcasts there are, the fact that we are showing up in the list is absolutely mind blowing. So I started to, uh, you know, like, like any person that's probably listening to this, I started looking at the analytics a little too much, but um, it's pretty cool. And I have a feeling that leaving reviews and just downloading the shows is helpful. So if you have the opportunity, if you have a minute to leave a review, uh, preferably on the Apple podcast app or whatever the iTunes thing uh, that you use, that is super helpful. So even if you just leave a star rating or whatever, um, that's fine. If you can write a little review, you could get featured on a show. So I'm going to start going through some of them now and much appreciated. Again, thanks for the support, just showing up on like the top 200 list. Uh, pretty epic for me since um, I wasn't, I was just doing this for a little bit of fun. All right. So first one here is uh, from friend of the show and my, my actual personal friend, Ron Stefanski. Easy listening, lots to learn. Doug is great at what he does and these interviews are both entertaining and informative. I'm no novice, but I love learning new things. 
and I always get something new out of every episode. That's cool, Ron, because I know some of the episodes are a little scattered, but I do often either try to have a point to what I'm saying or at least be moderately entertaining. Maybe not hugely entertaining, but moderate. Next one uh, from Kent Chow. So I've worked with Kent um, for a while. Oh, yeah, and he mentions it here. So Kent says, awesome Amazon affiliate podcast. I've been Doug's follower since 2014. I picked up many great tips like project management, keyword golden ratio research, content creation, and guest post outreach. This podcast is a plus to consume. Hold on. Yeah, this podcast is a plus to consume his content on the go. All right, content on the go. I also enjoy uh, many of the interviews and pick in how the brains are picked, uh, something like that. Can't read out loud. Um, Keep up the great work. So Kent, thanks a lot for that. And one of the more recent ones is from Reader Enterprises or Reader Prizes uh, back in July. And it says, uh, very good, very good podcast. Um, And they, they have an eggplant um, emoji. So that's pretty cool. So even the short ones get read. So do, do leave a review out there. Much appreciated. I'm going to cut it a little bit short for the episode today, but don't forget you can be featured as well. You can leave me a voicemail, remember, write it down and, and then read it out and make sure it's a appropriate length. You don't want to hit the three minute mark and then realize that, um, you went on too long. Uh, number two, you could shoot me a, an email, old school email feedback at doug.show. And finally, maybe the the premium way, you know, is to leave me a review on Apple iTunes. If you tell me that and then ask um, a question via email or something, I mean, that's a home run right there. I'll probably send you a few emails and stuff like that. So pretty cool um, to get the, you know, the, the nod as far as the Apple uh, rankings and stuff like that just amazing. So thanks everyone for the support. And we are, we're actually closing in on a hundred episodes coming up pretty soon. So everyone out there, have a great day and I will catch you on the next one.